0: And so if you haven't opened up already, let's open to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be taking a look at verses 12 to 17 this morning. But just real quick, I want to go back and kind of look at this section of what the Apostle Paul has laid out thus far. Because really in this section, he's proving to us the reality of sanctification. And that's really a lifelong process of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of believers And as believers, we don't want to ignore the Spirit of God because He is God, right? We have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. These three are one, okay? And we who have put our faith in Christ, we've been born again of the Spirit of God, and He's working in us, and He's sanctifying us. And if we're ignoring that work of Him in our lives, we're grieving Him, which we ought not to do as believers. And really, when we have the spirit at work is just proof that we've been justified okay that's what paul has really laid out thus far for you and i so at that guys this regenerate and renewed life okay will be ruled and guided by the holy spirit so the holy spirit of god has been prominent in this section okay we study the book of romans we've been doing it since the first of the year months in this book And we come to chapter 8. The Spirit has been mentioned one time in the first seven chapters. And we get here 21 times in this one chapter. Here's life now as a Christian in the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit of God has been prominent. And we're going to see now how he works in us three different facets of our faith. Okay, uh, different relationships that we have as God's children. The first one we're going to look at is sonship. Like you are a child of God. Okay, if you're in Christ, you are his kid, which there's an intimacy that we now have with God, the creator of all things, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to look at the spirit of fellowship. Okay, uh, of being sons the responsibility of that and then the spirit of heirship or of heirs or the blessings that we have in that so the spirit is how the believer is to be regenerated renewed daily and then we end up victorious do you guys know that he has started a work in us first or philippians chapter 1 verse 6 he began a work and he will complete that work He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I love it, guys. He doesn't give up on us. So let's read our text, and we'll come around these three different facets uh, this morning. Look at verse 12 here. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. So the first thing I want to do with you guys this morning is talk to adoption a little bit. You see, when we consider adoption, it is the giving to anyone of a name, of a place, of privilege, of a son that was not born uh, a son by birth. And when we think about it, we want to be biblical in our thinking. So what does the Bible teach us when it comes around the concept of adoption? Well, I found three of them. One is the natural adoption. Do you guys remember back in Exodus 2, Pharaoh had a daughter, and they were killing the, the, the baby Israelites, Hebrew boys, okay? And that's where we were introduced to Moses there in Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter found him in a little ark <laughs> in the river there and adopted him. So that was a natural one. Mordecai and Esther, okay, adopted Esther. So we see that in scripture. But we also see another adoption and that would be nationally speaking. Do you guys know that the Jewish people, okay, the apple of God's eye, they were a chosen people, chosen nation by God. We're told in Exodus 4.22 where the Lord said, Israel is my son, my firstborn." So there was adoption nationally speaking. And then there's a third one that we find, which is our text before us here this morning, and that's spiritually speaking. So it's an act of God's grace by which we enter into his redeemed family, and we get to be partakers of the blessings that he has provided for us. So adoption really represents new relation into a believer, okay? We are justified, right? And as a result of that, there are privileges that are connected therewith. And that's my desire as your pastor is I want us to enter into all that God has. Some of us are in a place where we're like, why, why is it more happening? <laughs> if, if we have all of this in Christ, if I'm his kid, if I'm adopted, okay? Why, why, why am I entering into more? It's there. I think we have not because we ask not. Have you guys ever read that anywhere? That's scripture. Luke, in his gospel, tells us about our Heavenly Father, how he's a good dad who gives good gifts, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him. I don't know about you guys, but that's one of my daily prayers. We know God's mercies are new every day, but there's so many times I'm just crying out, God, help you know, Holy Spirit, I need your, your help today. I'm weak, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't even know what you're asking me to do. I need help. And he's faithful to be there, to guide us, to help us. So let's come around this idea then of the spirit of sonship, okay, being children, and in that we can share intimacy with God and this is where it begins, okay? Spiritual babes just born and then calling upon their heavenly fathers. And again, this book of Romans, okay. I want to go back for a second. I want to consider adoption under Roman rule of that day. Okay. If a father back then would dis, he could disown a biological child, he could say to his son, You're, you're done, you're not my kid anymore. But I found this fascinating, okay, because a father could adopt a son, but if he chose to adopt a child, he could never disown them once they were adopted. I thought that was pretty cool. So a father, in order to adopt, was responsible to pay, catch this, all the debt the child had, any debt they had, he was responsible to pay it all. And also, they would have... All the rights to the family. If you were adopted, you got all the privileges. Every right. All of them. You were family. Okay? Now, in our text here, I love this phrase, Abba, Father. Okay? Now, according to the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament, it says, Abba, Father, an intimate or endearing term used in both prayer and in a family circle. Oops, when we consider Abba Father here, it's not Greek. If you actually look into it, Abba is the Greek or the English transliteration of the Arabic word for Father. So it's only used two times in Scripture. Another one we find in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, where it says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth his Spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. I think that's cool. Because it speaks of intimacy, guys. Not infancy. Intimacy. You guys remember Jesus, when he was in Gethsemane, he cried out, Abba, Father. Right? All these things are possible for you. You know, take away this cup. You know? If you're willing, take it away. Take it away, nevertheless, let your will be done, not mine. So notice he doesn't, it doesn't have us cry out, I am God's kid. It's not saying that. We don't have to cry that out. What it's crying out is Abba, Father. So what's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because he calls us to look away from ourselves and look to him, cry to him, the one who established the relationship, the one who did the adopting, look to him, right? So it's not, do you know who I am, <laughs> but do you know who my dad is? That's how we view things. That's what Paul is asking us to do. This is what Abba Father is conveying. Look to the heavenly Father. And look at verse 12 then. It says, therefore, brethren, where bed dirs. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Now, when it says debtors, guys, how are we in debt? Okay, well, we're talking about a moral debt here. So let's think about this. If someone saved your life, you're going to feel indebted to them, right? So, whoa, (laughs) you did that for me. I would have died. You saved my life. And what type of debt would that be? It'd be one of gratitude, right? It'd be a debt of gratitude. I'm so thankful that you saved me, right? And that is the debt, guys, that we have, okay? So when we have that, it's, it comes from our heart. It's a heart thing. And that's the kind of indebtedness that we have as Christians. Um, <laughs> we don't owe God. Do you guys understand that? Because if there was a, we couldn't pay it. We couldn't pay a debt if we did owe God. There's no way we could pay it. Okay, so we still though want to please Him. The debt's been paid. Christ did that, but we want to please Him. And as we saw last time in our study in Romans, we please Him by trusting Him. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to trust Him. Have faith. So, not to make us right, Okay, as we consider this, uh, we can't make ourselves right with him. He did all the work. That's why he had to go to the cross. But, because he made us right with himself. That's how we have right standing. That's how we're able to be adopted. It's because of him. So, we're not indebted to the flesh. We are under no obligation then to it. Think about that. You guys remember earlier in Romans where we're wrecking ourselves dead to sin? Do the math. Why sin? If you're freed from it, don't do it. Okay? Walk in the newness of life. Okay? Uh, we have the Spirit. We get to walk with and we don't have to sin any longer. So verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. So you put to death. When it says that, you put to death, that's actually in the present tense. That means it's something we're doing. We are putting to death continually the things of the flesh. So the flesh cannot be destroyed in this life, but the deeds of the flesh, right? For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. So it's really your choice. Do you guys know that God doesn't make anybody do anything? Some of us are thinking, why ain't I growing more? <laughs> why aren't things changing? Why isn't there transforming going on? Well, God's not going to be mocked according to Galatians. Okay, When a man sows, he shall reap. Right. So if we're reaping to the flesh, what are we going to reap, guys? It's going to be death. You guys know what I'm talking about it because I, I hope I'm not the only fleshy person around. Okay, There's times where I get fleshy and self-centered and, and it's sin. Okay, and, and the fruit of that, it's always ugly. It's death. It breaks relationship with others. It breaks relationship with my God. It leads to destructive things. But when I yield to the Spirit of God, you're sowing to the Spirit. You're going to be sowing to life okay? there's gonna be good fruit. that's our choice. You've been set free now you get <laughs> you don't have to sin any longer. You're spiritually alive. you can do spiritual things that pertain to life. good fruit. We get that choice now. So it's either death unto sin or sin unto death. So it's either you die to sin or you, die for sin it's either you slay your sin or your sin will slay you there's choices there so the key is really our cooperation with the Holy Spirit as he is working in us and through us that's all we can do and some of you guys would be like well why is it more happening I want to see transformation change good fruit I would encourage you and I've counseled many over the years, we normally go back to what's God asking you to do? What's the last thing He asked you to do? Well, it was that. Have you done it? No. (laughs) But you want God to speak and do more, but you're not willing to do the last thing He's asked you to do. Well, we do want to grow. Okay, We want to be moving forward in our Christian walk with the Lord. He wants to lead us into those things. But we need to obey. We need to yield and say, yeah, Lord. Okay, if you're asking me to do this thing, I need to do this one thing. I don't think God gives us more until we've done what he's asked. So be faithful in the small things. and When we do that, he'll give us more. So, cooperation with the Holy Spirit, that's key. Uh, A guy by the name of Stifler said... The man in Christ is not in the flesh, but it is in him. And the problem of salvation is not how to transmute the flesh into something good, but how to live with this thing every day without being overcome by it. Now, I don't know if that's how stifflers sound, but (laughs) the point is, guys, you know, being in Christ, okay? We're not in the flesh, but the flesh is in us. We still have a battle going on when we're born again spiritually. That's when the battle begins. Okay, There's a war that is waging between the two. So Paul contrasts the ideas of slavery and adoption for us in this passage. Look at verse 15 here. For if you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So the spirit of slavery... And this, Christian, brother, sister, I want you to listen up. Catch this. You're no longer enslaved to fear. That is what the Bible teaches us. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's a lot of fear mongering going on in the world today. Do you guys agree with me? Turn on that television for two seconds. It's going to tell you what you need to fear. Even within Christian circles today, we're being told what we need to fear. A lot of fear mongering going on. Brother and sister, (laughs) perfect love casts out fear. We have nothing to fear, we don't need to be tripping. And if you have a brother or sister that's not tripping out with you, you think their head is in the sand. Maybe they're just walking with Jesus. What do we have to fear, guys? We got nothing to fear. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We know him. And we know that he is the solution to all the problems that are out there. We get to go share that hope with the world, guys. So when the world looks in and says, Christian, why aren't you tripping? Don't you see everybody? We're a mess. Everyone else... He's afraid. Why aren't you afraid? I know Jesus. It's well with my soul. I'm good. I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know where I'm going. And I know the, he's the hope of this world. And I can share this good news with you if you want to hear. Do you want this type of peace? Do you want to be free from this fear? Because Jesus alone can take it away. That's what the Bible teaches us. And guys, as being children of God, this is what we have. When we're born again in the Spirit of God, man, we know Him. And He promises to give us a a peace that this world does not understand. Okay? A peace that will surpass all this stuff. That's what we have. It's so cool. So on the contrary, guys, what we received was the realization that we are adopted kids. Do you guys know that? You are a kid of the King? That is so cool to think about. Some of us are tripping over things and we're forgetting who we are. Remember who your dad is. Remember who you are in him. That's your identity. It's so easy for us to find our identity in our circumstances, what's going on, around us or with others. No, <laughs> I'm in Christ. I'm his kid. So adoption again, guys, indicates a new family relation with all the rights, with all the privileges, and with all the responsibilities. And thus we have the privilege of addressing God of the universe, creator of all things, is Abba Father. Isn't that pretty cool? That's pretty cool. So, for the last couple decades, I've been calling all my brothers and sisters that I go to church with, other believers, brother or sister. Okay? Some of you guys, you know, you get emails or when you see me, I'm like, hey bro, hey sis. I've been doing that forever. And I think it's something that God dropped in my heart decades ago, just in the reality, like, hey, I have a heavenly family. (laughs) These are other believers And my Lord, my Savior, we have the same dad, you know. And even though we may think differently on some things, we're still family. And family loves each other. We extend a lot of grace to one another. And I think it's just a good reminder. So if you guys want to call me brother instead of pastor, I'm totally down with that. I think it's just a good reminder for us. Like, hey, we are family. We also have, and check this out: the spirit of fellowship. Okay, so for sons, there's this responsibility. Okay, sons really represent. I want you guys to catch this: full-grown sons. Okay, it's God, God's family. Okay, adult members in the household, because usually in the first century, uh, adoption it wouldn't be a cute little baby. Okay, not even a toddler. They wouldn't adopt toddlers because they didn't know what they would end up being or doing with their lives yet. Okay, when they would adopt, um, they would be grown. Okay, um, at that point, usually older. So the chief mark of a full-grown sonship is really one who's being led by the Spirit of God. Are you being led by God? Yeah or no? You see, the chief mark being that, we're told in verse 14, when it says led, okay, it literally means, the strong tells us to lead by laying hold of, in this way to bring to the point of destination. So it, kind of, it could be used of an animal being led by a harness. So that's us in relationship to the Holy Spirit. He really is. He's got a hold of us, and he's leading us. One of my favorite passages of scriptures is found in, that's not coming up. There we go. Psalm 139. I want you guys to catch this. This is King David. And he's saying, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, (laughs) you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I sail to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You're God's kid. <laughs> He's never going to lead you or forsake you. He is with you. He's going to lead you. And there's some times, guys, I've felt where I've, <laughs> I've had to be led kicking and screaming. <laughs> Lord, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That is so uncomfortable, so beyond me. But, son, this is where we're going. This is what I have for you. Okay? And we can grieve and we can push back. But it's so much sweeter when we just yield and say, all right, I'm going to follow. Let's go. Okay? He's not saying, hey, you're going to go by yourself. No, we're going together. And some of you guys may be feeling the Lord asking you, prompting you to step out and to do something that just seems beyond you, on your capability. That's good. Because God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Okay? Why? He gets the glory then, right? He gets the glory. And that's the working of the Holy Spirit through us, guys. Normal men and women who are submitted to God. We just had our baptism class, and I just made the mention of God's faithfulness to the Great Commission. Here we are, 2,000 years later, in Kaukana, Wisconsin, at this little building, and God's been faithful. How many of you guys are believers in Jesus? He told us to go make disciples of all nations. You know, here we are across the world, believing the Savior. How cool. God's been faithful to his word, faithful to his mission, and we get to partake and be a part of his mission. So, we follow the one to whom we belong. It's really that simple. So our day-to-day response to the Holy Spirit will really indicate that we belong to him. And this is more dependable measure than Uh, our emotional highs or lows, okay? I've seen a lot of Christians come to faith. They had some emotional high, something in their life, and they had a coming to Jesus moment, and then they walk away, totally denying the Lord, His Word. you got to ask the question, were you ever saved? If you really knew Him, how would you be able to deny Him? (laughs) That's one thing I know. You know, even if I totally rebelled and ran away I could never deny that Jesus is God that he is Savior I could not deny my Heavenly Father I know him I know him how can you deny him when you know him so um, who handles our sanctification process I think that's the big question that really comes around this text today many have this idea hey god saved me <laughs> now i'm going to finish all the work that's to be done okay that's that's the flesh you know it's god's work all of it beginning to end so if as some i'm going to show you guys a bumper sticker that i can't stand god's my co-pilot you know well, if people have that mentality, I like to say, well, then you're in the wrong seat, buckaroo. <laughs> he's the one in command. Okay, Literally, guys, a co-pilot is defined as a second pilot of an aircraft who shares in the flying, but is not in command. Okay? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he's calling the shots. Okay, We are following him, his lead. What is he asking? you guys have a dog that you had to take to like an obedience class? You guys ever do that? You know, I can't get the thing to sit. Oh, they went to class. They can sit. You know, Awesome. Um, it'd be really weird if your dog came back from one of those obedience classes and ran over to the neighbor's dog and said, hey, I can sit and, and down and, and roll over. Look what I... Can. It was the obedience class. I think we... Brother and sister, we need to recognize obedience in our life. God has a big part of that. It's not, look how great I am, look how obedient I am. No, God plays a part in that. He is sanctifying us. He is changing us. So God superintends our sanctification Another scripture I really like is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Check this out in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself, so God himself, him sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Isn't that awesome to think about? Because some of us who have that mentality, great, I'm saved. Now I have to do all of this. Man, what frustration. What disappointment we'd find in ourselves, right? We need to be, I'm yielding to you. Not my agenda any longer. (laughs) Whatever you want, God. I'm yours. You're calling the shots. You're in command. And I think given Humanity's track record. Aren't you guys glad that he's the one in charge? I and mean, We haven't done so well. You guys know that the Bible's a history book? Since the creation, we, we've seen man fail over and over again. We need him. He's the hope. He's the answer. He is the solution. So his full-grown sonship impales, or sorry, implies a conscious responsiveness. Our part really to the teaching, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we just need to say, yeah, okay? I'm open. Teach me, okay? Now, the Spirit himself bears witness. So, when it says this, guys, it's to testify or to support of someone. It was used in, like, signature of a testing as a witness. You'd be accompanied with the words, I bear witness with, or I seal with, So the spirit, catch this himself, guys, is the witness that we are children of God. And I want you guys to catch, it's not to, but with. You guys see that one little word? You guys know one little word can change a whole meaning of something? So when he says, with our spirit, so the spirit comes alongside ours, okay? Crying out. Again, that Galatians... Uh, 4 6 says that you are sons, that God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba Father. So there's a double testimony there. Guys, think about that. His spirit and our spirit, okay? Hold to the absolute fact, independent of any of our emotions or sentiments, one of the most precious realities and assurances that we are part of his special familial relation to God that we are his children is that we have that testimony. I just was saying, I know I'm his. Even if I try to walk away, I can't deny that he's my dad. He saved me. I'm his son. I know that. We have that. And it's a blessing. I love when somebody first gets saved. You guys, meet it? like our salvation is always a little different. You know how people, but those people that just are like overjoyed. Just like I was... On crack and dealing it yesterday. And I don't care. I'm set free. I want to go tell everybody about this Jesus. I just met. I'm part of God's family. I'm forgiven of my sins. And I love when sanctification happens that fast. But again, it's a process, isn't it? Not all of us have radical changes. Some of us, it's baby steps. Step one, step two, step three, you know. But it's one of those things, guys, when we come into relationship with him, okay, that we are born again of the Spirit. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that brings us now to the spirit of heirship. So if we're heirs, there are blessings that we have as being God's kids. Not every son is an error when it comes to temporal things, but it's not so with spiritual things. So follow me here, guys. Okay? We actually possess in and with Christ everything that God has for us. You guys understand that? I would encourage you guys to spend some time reading the first 14 verses of Ephesians. Okay, It speaks at length about what we have access to as being children of God, who we are in Christ. Verse 3 says, We've been blessed with every Spiritual blessing the heavenly place places it's there for our taking and I don't think we receive because we don't enter into all that he has it's there are we willing to walk by faith and enter in and to ask and to receive what he has so not every son is an error okay when it's temporal speaking but spiritually we have these things so it is for us to accept to enter upon and to enjoy we get to enjoy him in the marvelous privileges we have as being His kids and it's no wonder here paul um is so certain that we shall be saved and kept to the very end i love these passages not everybody agrees when it comes to eternal security that once you're born again into his family you are part of his family period And that's okay if you don't agree with that. Just keep reading the Bible because you're going to have a lot of arguments like this come up over and over and over again. Okay? You can't be born again into his family and then out of his family. It doesn't work. Either you're his kid or you're not. Either you're forgiven or you're not. You never earned your salvation, so how can you lose your salvation? And I love that Paul brings us here this morning. So, when we consider our inheritance then as being God's kids, in many families, children inherit their parents' estates. So, each child is an heir, and the children then together are co-heirs. You guys get how that works? So, similarly, let's consider us as God's kids, as Christians, okay? His children, we are heirs, and we are co-heirs with Christ, that's really cool to think about when the Bible speaks to this. Usually, guys, an heir is the one who has not yet received an inheritance. But we consider the biblical idea, there's much more than this. It implies actual possession in part here and now. Okay? There are things that we have now. Okay, With the promise of complete possession one day, enjoyment yet in the future. So the Spirit not only bears witness with our spirit that we're His children, but that we are heirs. In Marvel of Marvels, guys, we're joint heirs with Christ. That is just so cool to think about. So sharing with Jesus Christ as joint heirs involves more than anticipating the glories of heaven. For Jesus, guys, catch this. Christ, it involved suffering. For Him, it involved abuse. For Him, it involved crucifixion right now there's a lot of theology that comes around suffering in scripture and we can't ignore that part of being co-heirs with christ because all believers one of our requirements is that we share in his sufferings right philippians tells us that we actually have fellowship with him in sufferings and do you not know that you will go through many tribulations in entering the kingdom of god so, then after suffering, we get sharing share in glory. So Paul demonstrates if we're heirs of God, then our inheritance is secure. So really, guys, in closing, as we consider this, this suffering, it really accompanies the membership of the body of Christ. Okay. So what do we do with that? Well, we count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Why? Why? Because this hardship, this trial, you know, though it might be for a moment, it's going to work in us. And it's going to work uh, things that are just beautiful and precious in relationship to our growth and sanctification. I can honestly say that the hardships in life um, I don't regret them because that's where God met me. That's where I grew the most in knowing him, in my faith, depending upon him, being changed, becoming more of a man of character, more godly character. Because it's in those hard things, guys, where the Holy Spirit showed up in the biggest ways and I saw his hand at work, you know, in very profound ways and I don't regret that. So when the Bible speaks to those things, even though we suffer, there's still a great hope that we find in the suffering. And there's joy that we can truly have in the suffering also. They actually go hand in hand. So these sufferings are really ones that often come when we follow Christ. I think that's why some people want to grieve the Spirit of God. Because this is comfortable. (laughs) This is my wants. This is Easy. If I go here, I, I don't know where it's leading. I don't know where you're going to take me. This is unknown. It's a little scary. That could be really hard. You guys know that early Christians expected to die for their faith? There was that much hostility towards believers. Do you guys know that today we have more brothers and sisters dying for their faith? More so than any other time in history. It's a strange to us. We enjoy some great freedoms here in the West. But this is not normal for the church at large. But do you know how fun some of these believers are to be around? How much life and hope they have in Jesus? I do a lot of counseling. A lot of time it comes around people who are depressed, anxious, just overwhelmed with life. And I've traveled a lot of the world and I've talked with brothers and sisters who are being persecuted for their faith. And what a joy, what a hope they have. What a life they're living, even though they could be imprisoned or killed for their faith. Sometimes I think, we run too much from the pain, from the trial, from the suffering. when that's exactly what God wants to use for our good and His glory ultimately. And that's actually where our next passage of Scripture is going to take us. So next time we're going to be looking into all sufferings that we face in this present life. And yet there is great hope in it. So I want to encourage you guys, read ahead for next week. We're celebrating 14 years as a church next week. And I was planning on preaching out of Hebrews chapter 6. God put on my heart months ago to preach hope. That we have hope in Jesus as a fellowship. We get to celebrate in the hope that we have in our Savior. And really encourage your brothers and sisters, son, in the hope you have. That's awesome! And I started digging into Hebrews 6. And I asked our worship team, I asked AJ, there's this new song called Anchor by David Crowder. I'm like, what a great song! And Hebrews 6 talks about Jesus being that anchor to our souls, and that's what I'm going to preach, and I'm so stoked. And then here we are, and by chance, next week in Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest passages on hope in all of the Bible just happens to be where we are. So we're not going to be in Hebrews 6, we're just going to continue on with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ next week which I'm stoked about so we find joy and hope and suffering guys so in our last few moments together I'd love to partake of the Lord's table with you guys because in light of a message like this okay, it's good to hear to grab a hold of these truths to own these because these are ours as children of God But the only reason these are is because of what Jesus did. And when we come to the Lord's table, we are remembering that we are co-heirs with Christ because we've been forgiven. Because we've been resurrected with Him. Because we put our faith in our resurrected Lord. And that's what we do when we come to the table, don't we? We remember His death and resurrection. And we do this until when? Until He comes again. Which I'm kind of excited about. Which could be any day. Do you guys know that? But it could be still 20, 30 years from now. 100 years. We don't really know. All we do know is that he is God and he is Savior and all who put faith in him will be saved. And that's what we get to do. We get to be a part of his mission. We get to enjoy him and his leading. So if I could have a couple of brothers grab some of the uh, cup and bread and pass it out, that would be a blessing. And then once everybody has, we will partake together. I got one, bro. Thanks. So as they're passing that out, as we're considering the Lord's table, I just really quickly want to go through a review of what we just looked at. Three facets of the Holy Spirit's relationship to His children. In relation to this spiritual life as Christians, is the spirit of sonship. Did you guys get that? We are his children. There's intimacy there that we get to have with God. We also looked at the spirit of fellowship, that we are his sons, that there's responsibility there, and also the spirit of heirship. Okay, we are heirs. There are blessings that we have because we are God's kids. So by The Spirit is how we are not only regenerated, but renewed daily and victorious. And there's a scripture I read this morning that I want to share with you guys. It's out of John 16. Chapter 14 talks more about the Spirit's working in our life. But this is Jesus right before he was going to be crucified. He was speaking, and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Sometimes we wish, Jesus, why, why aren't you just right here? <laughs> I'd love you to be physically... I'd love a big Jesus hug. <laughs> I would love that right now. But we have the Helper. The Holy Spirit is with us. Our Spirit testifies with His Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. And then another passage of Scripture this will be the last one. Um, How many Gospels are there? Four. How many chapters in those four Gospels? Eighty-nine. Out of eighty-nine chapters of Gospel, there's only one passage of Scripture where it talks about the heart of our Savior. And this is what it says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Did you guys catch that? I am gentle, kind, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, guys, his burden is easy. We get to yoke up with him. It's not burdensome at all. He unburdens us. But we have to respond to the invitation. Come to me. And what are the only qualifications to that? All you who labor are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's the coolest part, I think, with life in the Spirit. We get to come to him. And he's there to help us. And he does refresh us. He restores us. Gives us rest. So, Father, we're thankful just as a, a body of believers here, as your kids, that we can come together in this common faith. Lord, that's why we come to your table now. We remember your life as we partake of the bread and of the cup, the blood that you shed on the cross. We are so thankful for that demonstration of your love towards us. We're so thankful for the invitation. That it declares to this world that you so loved us. Anyone who will believe will not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for the preciousness of faith. We thank you so much, Lord, of the gift of being born again of the Spirit. That you are with us, you'll never leave us or forsake us. We're just so grateful. For all that you are and all that you're doing. Lord, and as we uh, partake together, Lord, we're doing it in faith. We're believing, we're trusting, we're looking to you, Jesus. All right, let's partake, guys. God is good. Throwing this picture up. It's from last time we were in Romans. Uh, I got a lot of feedback uh, from that sermon. I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. And some of you guys were really provoked. There was an illustration uh, that I shared at the end between the difference of pleasing God and trusting God. There's a book out there called Two Roads and Two Rooms. That's where the illustration came from. Um, it talks at length about the masks we wear. If you're encouraged by that, uh, you may want to read the book because they really do a deep dive, and there's just some really neat clarity uh, to that truth. So.